Good morning. My name is Giannis Jackson, and I am your host of The Sunday Chronicle. I'm coming to you from Stacks 92.1 FM. And today, my special guest is going to be Miss Yolanda Pope. And she is with the Dignified Aging Project. Um, I would like to turn it over to Yolanda so she can tell you more about herself, her organization, and all those letters behind her name. <laughs> Yolanda, Hi. thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, hey, Yannis. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited uh, to be on the show. I've heard a lot about it. Um, and so I'm excited to be here and talk about uh, my organization and, you know, some of the current concerns we have about the community. Um, so, like you mentioned, I am the CEO and founder of the Dignified Aging Project. And we are an organization um, that was really built to act as a bridge um, in the community, for the community. Um, we have a specific target to focus on the geriatric population and really um, supporting families and caregivers and seniors as they navigate through the aging process. But um, we also focus on all ages. You know, one of the big things that we um, worked with you with just recently um, was our mental health um, awareness and resource fair. Yes, ma'am. Um, which was, you know, for all ages, young, old, everything in between. So, um, so I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for almost 16 years, um, working specifically with the geriatric population. Um, I'm also a certified dementia practitioner, so I really, um, dealing with dementia and cognitive impairment and really developing trainings and supporting families and seniors as they navigate through that process has been a huge passion of mine, and so I love to be able to give back um, in regards to that. And so right now I'm just really excited about um, the opportunity to currently work in the healthcare space, um, developing training programs as well for caregivers and for businesses, um, uh, ensuring best practices as far as whether it's from COVID-19 all the way to, um, you know, systems and operations. So we do a lot at the Dignified Aging Project. Um, I think sometimes the question is more, what don't we do? <laughs> you know, what we do. So we're, we're going a lot of different angles um, wow. with the organization. Well, from my viewpoint, all that you've done, it's been done well. So, hey, no complaints my way. I, I really respect the work you do and, and, and everything you're doing in the community. It has been wonderful. Thank you, Yolanda. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, you have been, our partnership has just, it's kind of just been instant. You know, we, yes, when we yes. connected, it was all like we knew each other for years. And, you know, we have share some of the same values have some of the same mission and so it really has been a seamless partnership and I'm looking forward to the future as well. Yeah I mean because when, when you reached out I, I looked at your website it, when you first reached out and you're like hey I'm I'm doing x y and z and I think we're doing similar things I you know saw your your website the Lansing Catalyst and and I'm like yeah and I looked at your your page and I said yeah I think we are doing some of the same things and so it's like click and you know I I was really amazed you know the way we just were in Think. And I just believe that, you know, when you're patient, things kind of fall in line like that. So I'm glad that I found um, someone to work with it, of your stature. But going into that and the reason I asked you here today, I wanted to talk a little bit about 
COVID-19 and the stressors, how we deal with the stressors in the community and uh, in addition, in in, uh, certain segments within the community, how it affects us differently. Um, So that that was something that I wanted to cover. But once again, I want to let people know that I'm Giannis Jackson, and this is the Sunday Chronicle coming from Stax 92.1 FM. So, Yolanda, I know um, you've worked with diverse populations. Um, You've seen a lot of things. I mean, before COVID and during COVID and now in the midst of it. And what would you say um, have been the biggest changes for you if you had to name like one and I'll just say one and two, two things. What are the biggest two things that really threw you for a loop with the with everything with this pandemic? Yeah, I I think. when I think about that, you know, it, it's it's a little bit, I'm in an interesting space because I'm also a frontline healthcare worker. And so as a frontline worker, my experience with COVID is, it's twofold because I have the, how it's affecting me and my personal life and my family and my friends mm-hmm. and my community. But I also have how it's affecting me in the healthcare world and how it affects our ability to take care of our patients, how it affects our staff, how it affects recruitment. Um, There has not been an area that COVID-19 has not touched. Um, That's one of the things that makes this pandemic so unique. Um, And we already know that racial and ethnic minority populations experience poor outcomes in the general population for almost every health and social condition. So Mm -hmm. even COVID aside, you know, our communities are already hit hard just by um, every health and social condition. And so when you add a factor in like COVID, it really, um, it magnifies the issues that are already there. Um, And I think primarily um, for me, definitely, we live in a more anxious community than um, we ever have, you know, and people are anxious about catching COVID. They're anxious about going to work. You know, you hear a lot about the workforce and how there's not enough staff, but what people aren't talking about and what's being left on the shelf in this pandemic is how we're addressing the mental health of the people in our community so they do feel comfortable coming to work. And yes. so um, I feel very um, strongly about the fact that we really as a community should be pushing mental health just as much as we're pushing vaccinations. Um, I'm pro-vax, my family's vaccinated. I believe that people have the right to choose, but I really feel like um, we really should be putting as much into mental health as we are into vaccinations because the reality of it is, even if we're all vaccinated, yes, that's gonna slow the spread you know, of the virus and it's gonna prevent it from mutating, mm-hmm. but if we are all in such a horrible space mentally, Because we know that our country is broken, you know, and um, if we are in a negative space, we are going to still be in very bad shape. We're going to be protected from COVID, Mm -hmm. but we are not going to be protected from ourselves. That that you bring up a very good point, because I think just just from what I'm observing, I think the physical effects of COVID 
are I don't want to say more prominent in 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 what I see like in media and community and we don't really touch as much on the mental health aspect uh, aspect of of COVID and how it affects people you know the things that cause you know the people to have mental anguish or or whatever it may be I mean there's so many different stressors that we should be addressing not just as you said, or, or, or we talked about the physical, but we have to shift to the mental. We have to sh- shift to that. And it has to be a regular thing. It has to be a consistent thing. And that's why I believe we should keep having these conversations. I think we should keep having the events to bring people in to be educated on different types of things and not just one area, but holistically. But I wanted to run down uh, a couple of stats that I that I took off of some websites, um, Yolanda, and I wanted to, you know, just see what you thought about them and, and, and get a little feedback. But according to a Boston University study, depressive symptoms in adults in the U.S. jumped from 8.5 percent before the pandemic to 27 after right and this is uh, 2021 information or excuse me 2020 information and so in 2021 there shows a jump from the 27.8 to a 33% so basically what I'm seeing here is that one in three adults are dealing with some form of depression and or and or anxiety during this pandemic? Absolutely, and, and I would I would challenge that statistic. I I would guess that that statistic is underreported, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. those numbers are probably something more along the lines of fifty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about that today because I, I said. Now, this says one third. These are the, of the people that reported. And, and, and that's what I was saying. How many people didn't because of the stigma attached to it? I mean, because these are smaller studies. These are, you know, I'm not sure. It's just not everybody. It doesn't include everyone. Oh, no, it doesn't include everybody. It, when you think about these statistics, and I don't want to get on my soapbox about this because I have a whole, <laughs> you know, I have, I have a whole uh, opinion about statistics and, you know, who's included. Mm-hmm. But part of the population that you have to think about that aren't, are, that aren't often included in these statistics are the incarcerated and the disabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that's a huge number of people yes, that are not yes. always included. And, right. you know, we don't look into, okay, why are these, obviously the disabled, you know, that's not something that can always be controlled, but the incarcerated, oftentimes it's because of some of these symptoms, because of some of this mental illness or some of these challenges that we aren't addressing. And so we're not even including that population in the statistic. Um, when we talk about rating the community or the country as a whole and how depressed or anxious we are because of the pandemic. Um, so so the numbers are high. The numbers are very high. And, and I can almost assure you that you cannot walk or go into a public place without recognizing how anxious and stressed out we are as a community, without looking around and seeing how easily frustrated people mm-hmm. are. 
-hmm. the smallest thing, you know, it's the smallest thing that causes someone to be upset or to be anxious or, you know, everyone seems to be living on a very short fuse these days, which is unhealthy. Yes. Yes, I agree. There is a a level of anxiety these days. And um, for myself, I do try to remain aware of that. Um, so I won't get caught in that that hamster wheel of, of that, you know, because that I uh, really don't want to walk in that because it really can um, be challenging. So I, I, awareness for me has has definitely helped. Um, and when I get to that place, um, so with the I would say. In regards these these stats that we talked about, you said that they're underreported, and and I agree with you. Um, what I wanted to talk about now is how minority groups are disproportionately affected by certain things. You know, not only the mental and you know physical aspects of it, but the barriers, the things that the stressors that impact them that, uh, you know, whether it's income, you know, or or lack of resources. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that and how that makes us more at risk. Are you, um, are, are you uh, I believe you're pretty well, well versed on that, Yolanda, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we first have to acknowledge, like I mentioned earlier, that minority and ethnic populations, we have poor outcomes for just about every health um, situation. Um, and when you think about that, and you think about um, our number one biggest risk factor is knowledge and access. Um, mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, because there's stress, depression, um, anxiety, these things have been so prevalent in the community for so long that people often don't recognize that there is something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so without the knowledge to recognize what mental illness is or what depression is or what anxiety is, um, it's very hard to fill out a survey and say that you're depressed or anxious because mm-hmm. you don't know what it is. Right, right. Um, and then when you talk about access, you know, oftentimes when people think about giving someone access to um, a resource. You know, it's like, hey, we're going to put this resource inside this community and give the community access. And then oftentimes there's concern about, hey, it's here, but why isn't anyone accessing it? It's because people don't always know how to navigate in order to gain access. There's a lot of barriers through navigation, whether that is whether there's a communication barrier, Mm -hmm. whether there is a barrier, um, transportation barrier. Maybe there is a confidence barrier in the system that's put in place. You know, there's there's all all these different barriers that have always been present. But now when you add the added layer of a pandemic that is also increasing um, the mental health, which some would say is a parallel pandemic, um, Mm -hmm. then that further exacerbates the issues that are there. And so I would say education and access um, are the two biggest challenges um, for our community because you don't know, you're not going to get help if you don't know that you need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And... And the way that we 
uh, start to to promote awareness, we we have to talk about it. We have to talk about these things. You know, it's it is important, like our physical health. It's just if not more than, you know, we have to talk about these things. Um, because on, on top of that, you know, in, in, in dealing with um, the other things that come along with the virus and, 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 and dealing with race trauma and all of that, you know, these things being layered, being stacked, you know, we, we have to find a way to, to start going through these things and addressing these things and identifying what is what. Um, and that's why I'm so glad that people like you, Yolanda, you're in there. You're, you're down on the ground. You're in the trenches and talking to people in the community. You're, you're pushing resource fairs and conducting classes and consulting and letting entities know powers that be is this is what it is here for this population so um you have direct contact you have direct access you're building bridges right and consulting people that used to say do what i do but you have that opportunity to say well this is what we need and this is what we do Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and our organization, the goal is for us to be a vessel to mm-hmm. facilitate um, the transition of essential parameters of care. So uh, whether that be access to mental health, assisting support um, with cares for family that need assistance, uh, because there's, the voice isn't always there. And um, sometimes when the voice is there, we're not speaking the same language. And mm-hmm. that's one of the big things um, and the big goals of the Dignified Aging Project is to make sure that we act as a culturally competent interpreter for the minorities in the community. So that way we can speak to um, their healthcare professionals, the doctors, to let them know this is what's needed. Because mm-hmm. The lack of cultural competency is another major barrier yes. um, to health care and mental health access for the underserved minority communities. Um, so we're, we're excited to be able to do that. We do that through Crucial Conversations is our biggest platform that we use for that. Um, and that is um, every third Tuesday at Schmidt Community Center in Lansing on Wise Road. And we have those crucial conversations. We share resources. We, mm-hmm. we talk mm-hmm. with people in the community um, to figure out what is it that you need? What do you need access to? We talk about the importance of advanced care planning and mental health. We talk about the importance of, um, you know, being safe in COVID and dispelling some of those myths. Uh that um, are often contributed to our community. So the conversations have to happen. They need to be normalized. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're out again. I'm glad you're out there doing that. And that is what a real leader does. And I, I, it's, it's refreshing to see that, you know, you don't need this big title and all this pomp and circumstance to go out and do some work. You know, you're, behind the scenes and sometimes you're out front but you're doing the work and it's not you know to to make this huge you know local celebrity status or whatever you're doing the work for the people and acting and serving as that bridge and bridging that gap and I am um really I'm happy to see that there are more organizations that are community-based and they are raising their voices and wanting to work 
or uh, insisting to work with, you know, government and entities. We need to give that input. We need to give that input. People that are vested in the community, people that live here, people that know how things are affecting us. Right. We know how it's affecting us. We know how the shootings are affecting us. We know how when resources are not easily accessed, how it affects us and how it's a chain reaction, how it's a snowball effect when we cannot access the resources we need. And if we can't rely on government, which we cannot, then we do it ourselves as a community. We have to take care of us. We cannot rely on some thing or, or someone on, outside of us to take care of us. Absolutely not. And, and that is actually one of the themes of Crucial Conversations is, you know, there's no Calvary coming. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Cal, we're the Calvary. We're going to, we have to save ourselves. We always have. Um, but the reality of it is uh, we're not going to really allow anyone else to save us. You know, that's why we don't trust the doctors. That's why we don't trust government entities. And so, um, you know, a lot of times when people say, you know, well, you know, we want the government, people insist that, you know, our communities want the government to do this and the government to do that. Not really. You know, we, we have always been very mm-hmm. distrusting um, of program government mm-hmm. programs and incentives just because the historic issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the community. And so and the barriers in place. I mean, there's so many barriers in place to even access okay. those things, you know, give us the tools to give us the tools to save our and that yes. that you know that is my motto um mm-hmm. give us the tools give us the resources um so that way we can take care of our own community we don't want anyone trained to take care of the people in our community we don't want anyone going through training to take care of us we want to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and, and i think that is um another thing that's not often invested in enough is providing the communities the resources to take care of themselves Yes. Yes. And 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 it's uh, again, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to act as a liaison. You know, it's not the easiest thing to do to get uh, access to resources, but you are one of those people. You are one of those people that will work on behalf of the people that will find the funding to build the program, to supplement the programs that are taken away. Where people that, that, don't have access. Absolutely. That's the goal. That's the goal. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all got to start somewhere. And, you know, it is nice to see, though, our community steps up. You know, our community has been stepping up for the community. And, um, you know, as long as we continue to partner with one another and continue to support one another and utilize, you know, the resources, um, the ed- take advantage of the educational opportunities um, and equip ourselves with knowledge, mm-hmm. then that's how we move forward. That's how we advance. That's how we fix and um, remove the stigma of, you know, the negative effects of health outcomes, the negative effects of COVID um, having so much of an impact on our community is taking charge and, and making things happen ourselves. Yes. And uh, once again, I wanted to remind you all that this is Giannis Jackson and this is the Sunday Chronicle coming from Stacks 92. Point one FM, and I am talking to Miss Yolanda Pope of the Dignified Aging Project. We've been talking about 
COVID stressors and how uh, we deal with those and, and, and some of the disparities and the different rates in comparison to m- minorities and majorities and, and such. Yeah, name a few things that you do. I, I, I got a couple of things, but I want to hear what you do to kind of put you in a good space and, you know, just cope with this, what we have going on, this uncertainty. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you ask that um, because me and one of my colleagues, we talk so much about uh, self-help and, you know, taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I realized one day that I didn't I didn't know what what I like to do as far as to help mm-hmm. me wind down. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to look and intro and do some introspection to figure it out and um, and so now I do have a practice of self-care. And, you know, for me, it's music, um, it's art, it's craft. Um, I love painting. Um, I That is my retirement plan <laughs> is to paint. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's relaxing for me. I listen to music um, and I read books. You know, those. But that's what puts me in my happy place. Um, everyone needs to know what puts them in their happy place and not everyone knows that, and you don't. Oftentimes, you don't even realize that you don't know that. But um, figuring it out, what makes me happy? Right. I, I, I would say for me, um, I, I do try to look at the silver lining of everything we've went through with with COVID, and it did push me back to my artistic side. So when that pandemic hit, um, I started writing poetry again. I started writing articles and um, working out dancing I went biking again so I didn't I didn't gain much weight during that time so I was grateful for that (laughs) because I I did a lot of exercising because it really helped me stay balanced and um, biking was a big thing for me and also the community service you know even still you know that keeps me balanced knowing that you know if I'm feeling a certain kind of way if I'm anxious if I know I can go out and help somebody else you know I can help somebody I can help with with food access I'll get them some food you know or maybe somebody needs a coat or something so let me go out and do that let me make a few calls and and serve and that keeps me in a very balanced space not so all over the place so that that's what I do to cope you know um and, and it's been wonderful writing dancing biking serving so yeah, I definitely think that COVID has allowed us to tune into ourselves that yes. is I'm glad you mentioned that because um, that definitely is a silver lining, you know, is you've got a chance to focus on yourself and what makes you happy. Um, and, you know, once you know what that is and you're able to incorporate that, you know, that's going to prevent that stress, that anxiety, you know, that depression. Um, but we need to help get our community there. Yeah. And, and we can and we are. We're getting there. You know, we're getting there a one step at a time. And we're getting there together. You know, and, and it's all about sewing together the fabric of the community because community knows what community needs. And that's why we're here today. We are a platform for community. And with that being said, we want to thank you for one more week of the Chronicle. Um, I, I thank my guest Yolanda Pope for being here. I'm Giannis Jackson, your host of the Sunday Chronicle, coming from Stacks 92.1 FM. Make it a great day.